The Truth News Network. On every continent, in every capital, at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity, there is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. Now, wait a minute. Insanity? Really, Dan Are we dealing with insanity today in the United States and elsewhere around the world? Well, dadgummit, we are. I don't care what other people tell us. Everything's not just okay. And everything that is put out in front of us to be right, be truthful, is not necessarily either one of those. In fact, the exact opposite in many cases is true. But you know that. You know how I know that you know that? Because you're here. You're listening right now to TNN Live, Truth News Network. That's what we're all about is digging in and finding facts. Many things to discuss with you today. One of those being there's something ominous just hanging up in the air. What is it? I talk to a lot of people every day and they in large part, if I even mention that, something ominous, they say, yeah, I feel the same thing. What's coming down the pipe? Honestly, I don't know. So what are we going to do about it? That, my friends, is the conundrum that you and I face every day. We can't just stand by and be okay with the evil, the criminality, the law-breaking, the lawlessness the lies, the cheating, everything that is just right in our faces every day by people we trust to not do those things. They call themselves leaders. Many of them are elected by the people. They promise, if you elect me, I'm going to go to Washington or I'm going to go to the state house. I'm going to go to the governor's mansion. I'm going to go to the city courthouse. I'm going to represent you. I'm going to put my personal feelings behind me and I'm going to govern for you, the people. Every person that was elected in 2020, every single one, they took an oath of office and they promised to enforce and to abide by the rule of law and to represent us according to the United States Constitution. How many of them today that directly impact your lives? I'm talking about members of Congress across the board. Now, you have a congressional district representative in the House. That's right. Is your representative from your congressional district actually representing you when they consider legislation, when they do what they are supposed to do in the way of House oversight of the other two branches of government? Are they doing that? Sadly, in many cases, the answer is no. What do we the people do? It begins with doing what you're doing right now, listening, hearing things, determining in your own heart, your own mind, your own spirit, if what you're hearing is factual and if and when you determine whatever it is is factual, how are you going to process that thing in your life? 
You can't just take it all in at one time. It's impossible. It's far bigger than any one individual's mind. And the left, those on the left that want more power, they want to seize power from the American people far more than they already have. They just got a taste of it during the pandemic. How much are these fawns, these little bitty Americans that they listen to us lock, line, and sinker? They swallow everything we give to them. How much of their liberty and freedom are they willing to give up to us, the government? Sadly, in many cases in government today, that's what drives every decision that's made. And if you think I don't know what I'm talking about, just ponder this. Just look at the last 90 days. Last 90 days in the life of the United States government. How much, how many things have you heard about that are all SMH events? Shake my head. You can't believe that elected officials are doing these things. Let's just look at one right now. Our Defense Department, led by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, General Lloyd Austin. Every day now, something pops up that we know, we find out, and we're sad when we find it out. Our Secretary of Defense, the highest person in the Defense Department, let something happen, had no idea what it was, had no idea that it was going on, and we find out top secrets are being released through a gaming network. And the information that is being released is extremely sensitive to all of our foreign policy, our military especially. And the Secretary of Defense doesn't even know that it was out there and it's been out there for six months. A gamers group. How many more things like that are around that we don't know are around? I had dinner with some good friends last night, Marianne and I did. And I, I expressed at the dinner, one of these, the husband is a, is a doctor, a very well thought of, very well-established doctor in our community. And I said, I just sense in my spirit something ominous hanging over my head. And his wife said, I feel the exact same way. The doctor looked with kind of a puzzled look on his face. And we talked about it just for a minute. It's like we sense something, but we can't quite put our fingers on what it is. How do we handle that? Do we, do we choose to be fearful? Do we get angry? Are we out there trying to find people to blame every little bitty thing on? Let me just say this. If you're smart, you'll do something. And what that means If you're decisive and you're going to do something, most likely you're a person that thinks things through and refuses to shoot your gun flying by the seat of your pants, just going crazy with your gun. You want to do the right thing in the right circumstances and make sure that it's done for the right reasons. That's what I encourage you to do. Don't let fear drive you. You'll never make a good decision if you make it in the middle of fear. Now, 
I know there are some sudden things that happen sometimes and you just have to react. We hear about these all the time. Somebody walking a street in a city and all of a sudden, out of the shadows comes somebody that mugs them. Thankfully, those aren't the things that happen the most of the time to us. Those are reaction things. But all of the other stuff, find out what's going on. Dig, dig, dig. Ask ask questions. Don't accept just the first off of the cuff somebody gives you in the way of an answer. Make sure what you're hearing is true. If it's not, you don't have to make a stink. But just take what you hear, verify it or discount it, either one. Put it in a pile and throw it away if it's not the truth. You don't have to make a stink about it. Just make your decisions based upon what you have learned and put in your mind and heart. If we go down that road, go down that road together, we're going to be okay no matter what comes our way. I know we could be looking at war. Glenn Beck on this show last week, he predicted by 2025, we'd be in full-out war with China and Russia and that Taiwan would have disappeared in the way of Taiwan. It would just be another little province of China. Is that really going to happen? I don't know. I think there's a good chance that's going to happen, but there's also a good chance it won't happen. Just because we think something's right doesn't make it right, whatever it is. And just because we think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong, whatever it is. But what we must do is be confident by our prayer, by our research, by our looking behind the obvious all the time, instead of just believing everything at face value we see in here. Pull back the covers. Find out if there's substance there. And if there is, embrace it. That'll just give you one more little bit of confidence and will give you assistance in dispelling the fear of the unknown. There's no way we'll ever know any, everything. It's impossible. And just when we think we've got our arms around something, another one pops up that we have no clue what it is, and the temptation is to always opt for fear. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. You serve God, you a Christian, you're in a great spot. Trust God. If you're not there, you need to learn and understand the tenets of what it is to be a Christian. And I think those are really easy to find if you really want to do some research. In fact, if you're out there and you need some help, drop me an email and I'll point you in the right direction to get information about that. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Where, oh, where are we going to start today? Well, we're going to take a breath. We're going to listen to a great song. And on the other side of it, we're going to weigh in and do some analysis of what came to light yesterday. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? We'll be back after we join you listening to Chicago. Remember this? I think this was from the album Chicago 8. I was still in college. Oh, my gosh. Peter Cetera still was singing lead. Call on me, Chicago.
I get asked all the time, why Why did you all of a sudden, well, it wasn't all of a sudden, but a couple of months ago, you start start the show every day by saying a few words and then you go to a song. There's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. This is my show. <laughs> and, and I'm a musician and I like music. I like good songs. If you listen, you know lots of genres you hear. And it's because everybody's got different tastes. And it also, because this is not like top of the hour, bottom of the hour, you're watching a news channel and bam, a show starts immediately and you know exactly what's going on. Very few people live by the actual seconds that tick away on a clock. You know what I mean? You may be a couple of minutes early, a couple of minutes late, maybe five minutes late. You have to pick up your phone or go to your computer And then you have to find the app, TNN Live, and click on it to get it going. It takes a few seconds. I don't want you to miss ever the meat of any show. That's one reason why I do it. And again, I guess the big reason is what I told you when I started saying these things. It's my show. I like music. And we're going to have another good song at the end of the show. And by Jingo's... It's Friday. If there's a spot in the show where I think we need to hear another song, guess what? We'll hear another song. I'm joking. I'm joking. This is information heaven for us. We get facts and we do it together. Well, everybody knows by now the name Jack Teixeira. Jack is a 21-year-old member of the Air National Guard in Massachusetts. Well, he used to be. I kind of think by this morning... He's not in the same place he was yesterday afternoon. He's being held right now on charges relating to the posting, his posting, what he did, of classified documents on a bunch of different social media sites. The documents covered a bunch of things, including weakness, or at least weaknesses perceived by some in Ukrainian defenses, and plans to rebuild the country's armed forces. One of the documents that was released appeared to show that NATO countries had a few dozen special operations troops in Ukraine, despite a bunch of past denials that members of NATO had boots on the ground there. That's a really serious thing. Not that they have boots on the ground, but that Russia now knows, because of the leaked Pentagon Papers, Those people are actually on the ground in Ukraine. Those are the questions. Not only are the media covering up the substance of this entire story, which is now we know who leaked it, but that's not the big deal. What he leaked, they are covering up the crimes committed to get this information to the American people. Think about it. The Biden administration apparently used illegal surveillance techniques to identify this kid with the help of the Washington Post and the New York Times. Now, wait a minute. The means, the ends, which one's the most important? Well, the old saying, the end justifies the means. In other words, if we catch a bad guy, whatever we have to do to catch a bad guy, it's okay even if we have to break the law to do it because we caught the bad guy. That's a total violation of the First Amendment. 
Tucker Carlson last night. He stated that the Washington Post published an article Thursday, yesterday, saying it had reviewed some of the documents leaked by Teixeira. The New York Times said yesterday it had tracked him down. If it's illegal to see these documents, if you don't have a security clearance, how is the Washington Post doing this legally, looking at the documents? They don't have a security clearance. Obviously, they were given them by the U.S. intel agencies and are working alongside our government. Now, wait. The ends justify the means, right, Dan? Not in the United States of America. Your rights are your rights. According to the Constitution, these are the very things that our forefathers knew would happen eventually in this new country, this new place on the planet that they didn't know ever existed, but they wanted to come here and get away from big government colluding with big media even if doing so brought some people to justice. The U.S. has sent over $100 billion in aid to Ukraine since Russia invaded. Do you remember the date now? We've been at this for over a year in Ukraine, February 24, 2022. And our government announced in January they would send 31 M1 Abrams main battle tanks following a December announcement that a battery of M1M-104 Patriot surface-to-air missiles would be provided to Ukraine. Now that sounds kind of grandiose. We're out there fighting with the allies against the bad guy, Vladimir Putin. The bigger problem is this is information that is relevant to the public in a so-called democracy. You can't lie about things that jeopardize our collective future and get away with it. And you certainly shouldn't be doing that with the assistance of the Washington Post, the New York Times, or any other media outlet, including this one, folks. The news media. The media's job it is, to inform you of what our government is doing. But instead, these two prominent newspapers are working actively late into the night to lie to us on behalf of their masters in permanent Washington. By the way, just last week, the plan was to lie in an even more grotesque way and blame Russia for these documents being leaked. Do you remember that? So, does the ends in this justify the means? If you feel that, if you really believe that, you need to rethink your position. You're in a really bad way and not in a good spot. Why is that? What if they wanted to come after you for something? It happens every day. It happens every day. More and more of your freedoms that you just automatically think you have because of, hey, I'm an American. We have the Constitution that protects our rights. We have the first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights. They can't do this stuff to us. 
Let me tell you factually something that may blow your mind. This is a good thing for me, but the process of this is a really bad thing. Six years ago, I was involved in an overseas business transaction. I was out in California dealing on this. And in the middle of a telephone call, with a, it was a conference call. There were like six or seven people on the call. A voice came on the phone, identified who this guy was. I didn't know who he was. The other people on the phone call knew who he was. They thought that I had brought him on the call. I thought they had brought him on the call. Nobody had brought him on the call. He's an employee of the federal government. He was monitoring that phone call. As it turns out, I now know who this person is, and he's become a good friend of mine. But my point is not what happened, but how it happened. Did you ever sign a waiver? When you were born, did your parents sign a waiver that gave the federal government unfettered rights to look and listen at everything that's ever private in your life? Telephone calls, emails, texts, monitor conversations without you knowing about it? No, that didn't happen. Was there ever a law that was passed by our representatives that gives the government unfettered right to do that? Nope. It's not there. Why are they doing it? Because they can. And because so far, at least, there's been no pushback. There's been no accountability. Just because someone's in government doesn't give them the unilateral, unfettered right to do whatever it is they want in total disregard from the rights of the people they're doing it to and supposedly doing it for. There are people all over this nation that don't even think about what I just told you. The federal government was led to this guy by the Washington Post and the New York Times. So now... The news media is way more obvious than many of us thought, working directly hand-in-hand with the government, turning in American citizens. There is no excuse for what this young man did, none. He violated all kinds of rules and laws, and he should pay a price for it. But let let me just point something else out. Do you know that today, right now today, There are Americans, just like you and me, that decided they wanted to go to Washington, D.C. back in January, two years ago. And they wanted to see how our government would run in a transition from one administration to the next. And yes, it had to do because Donald Trump was a guy that was the existing president, his administration was about to end and the Biden administration was going to begin. There are more than a hundred Americans, your fellow Americans today, that are in jail in Washington, D.C. They've not been formally tried. They're sitting in prison and in most cases, What they are charged with doing are borderline misdemeanors. 
Many of these people have been in jail for two years. And I'm not talking about the people that stormed the the Capitol. The hundred or so I'm talking about did not go in the Capitol, but they were there. And they were mingling with people our government surveilled. And just because they were there and were identified with facial recognition, the FBI started sweeping people up. That's actually happening today. How much of our liberties and freedom are the sufficient number and the sufficient type for us to just summarily give them to the government and say, keep us safe? Just go do whatever you want to do, but keep us safe. I'm going to tell you something. And I will say this before I say it. I know this show is monitored. Pretty much every such show in America is monitored. Which probably, to be honest with you, if it's being monitored by our government, that is illegal and unconstitutional. But as private citizens, this is the internet, this show, anybody can listen to it. And I welcome anybody and everybody. I'm just pointing something out. We have the unfettered right of the First Amendment. We've had it for 260 years, but guess what we're doing? We're handing it over to the power junkies that live in the Potomac Valley. And they work for you and me. And they hate each of us. Why? Because we love liberty. We love freedom. We believe in freedom. We believe in liberty and justice for all. We believe in equal opportunities for all. We believe it doesn't matter what your birthplace, your ethnicity, your religion, your skin color, how educated you are. You, because you're in the United States of America, are still today guaranteed certain rights that nobody can arbitrarily pull away from you. And they're doing it. And they're doing it. They're not being held accountable. And so they're taking it up to the next step and the next step and the next step. So let me just give you an example. What if you got crossways with somebody in the FBI? You may not even know that you did, but you may have ticked somebody off. They may live down the street from you. And they don't like the way your kids play in the neighborhood or you walk your dog and the dog goes in their grass and poops in their yard, even if you pick it up. They don't like that. And that person can let it build up in them and grow and then they begin to think, hey, I'm a member of the FBI or I'm secretly in the CIA or I'm an informant. And I don't like those people. I don't like what they think. I don't like that they're Christians. I don't like where they go to school or whatever. For whatever reason or reasons, they decide they're going to hurt you. And they have the power to hurt you, and they do it. You don't think that happens? And it happens way more today than it happened five years ago, way more five years ago than it did 20 years ago, 
but it's happening every day. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to get you to open your eyes and just realize our government has taught us this lesson, if no other lesson. If you give us an inch, we're going to take a mile. If we take one of your liberties and you don't do anything about it, we're going to take another liberty. Those Ten Amendments in the Bill of Rights that your forefathers made sure came back and restated, put in writing, so the federal government would know none of these rights, not one single one of the ten, and any of the variations that are included in the Bill of Rights, can the government take because the government doesn't own them? And the Washington Post and the New York Times did exactly that. They took Mr. Teixeira's rights under the Constitution away from him, and you and I let the New York Times and the Washington Post do it and get away with it. And all they get for it is a thank you from the federal government for doing their job for them. And you thought it was a good thing that they caught Teixeira. (laughs) It's a good thing that they caught whoever did it. But the ends, in this case especially, do not justify the means to get it. I'm sorry. These, specifically, these two big news outlets, Washington Post, New York Times, they are in the tank. Take the power from the people and let us meet it out. We're the biggest, the best, the most powerful media outlets in the United States. Let us be your weapons, Mr. and Mrs. Government. We'll take care of it. And don't even worry about any dissidents like that little guy down in Louisiana at TNN Live. If we have to, we'll take care of him too. Hey, just wanted to lay that one out there to get you going today. Much, much more. We're going to dig into some things that maybe you hadn't thought about, some of it you haven't heard about, but going into your weekend, we want to make sure that you know what they are. And I'm going to let you hear from somebody that we all know who he is. Right after this break, Elon Musk is going to step into the studio and you're going to hear hear Elon Musk go toe-to-toe with a BBC reporter. And I got to be honest with you, Mr. Musk cleans the clock for this guy and he does it with facts, not tainted, partisan, opinionated information but cold, hard facts. And this is a good one. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky. Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there. With Southwest Airlines, fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. 
Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, Your place needs furniture, and at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Let me ask you this. You got a big weekend lined up. What you got going on? I mean, we're at a time now. We're in the spring. Yesterday, think about it. We're in April. In the Big Apple downtown, it got to 91 degrees yesterday. That's not supposed to happen. (laughs) It doesn't happen real often in New York City. Let me tell you what is ahead. Monday, TNN Live, Tuesday and Wednesday will be in the Sunshine State. We're going to be reporting and doing the show live from Miami, Florida. We're going down for a big celebration. Uh, Our nephew is getting married, marrying one of the most beautiful young women in the world, David D. Duran. Mighty guy, former quarterback here in Shreveport won a state championship at Evangel Christian Academy, as did his other brothers at quarterback at the same school. It's it's really a big deal, but he's a great young man. And we're excited. We will be there celebrating their union. And um, I'm just thinking about tomorrow night, going to be in Miami, Sunday going to one of the greatest churches in the United States, Vu Church in Miami, and then, by the way, just thought I'd throw this out there and make you a little bit jealous. I'm going to be eating for three days some of the best seafood in God's great United States of America. And, of course, every day we're going to be live. You probably won't even be able to tell the difference. We'll have some special guests on. And um, just as a note, tonight I'm going to be with Congressman Mike Johnson He's our congressman from the 4th Congressional District here in Louisiana. I've, uh, it's, a, it's a public forum, and I've got some questions for congressman. He's a regular here. So we'll be talking about all these things. And TNN Live, truthnewsnet.org, is going to be going 100 miles an hour. Make sure you stay close because when big things happen, big news needs to happen. And we have our fingers on the pulse Don't want you to miss anything. Told you going into the break, Elon Musk was up, and he is up. And he took on a reporter from the BBC. Now, this guy, he came in not prepared. He had, uh, I wish you could see the video of it. I strip out the audio, obviously, because this is an audio podcast. Uh, 
I wish you could see this guy's face as Elon just dressed him down with facts, forcing this reporter to be honest and give good responses. Listen to this. Free speech is meaningless unless you allow people uh, you don't like to say things you don't like. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. Um, and if at the point at which you lose uh, free speech, uh, it doesn't come back. I, th- I think the issue some people have is that a lot of people were brought back. I mean, some people were brought back who uh, were previously banned for spreading things like uh, QAnon conspiracies. You have people like Andrew Tate who were brought back, who were previously uh, banned for things like hate speech. Do you think you prioritize freedom of, of speech over misinformation and hate speech? Well, you know, who's to say that something is misinformation? Um, who's the arbiter of that? Is it the BBC? And you're literally asking me? Yes. Well, no, you, you, who are, is the, the arbiter? you are the arbiter on Twitter because you own Twitter. Yes, I'm saying who, who is to say that one person's misinformation is another person's information? Um, the point at which you, you say that there is, uh, this is misinformation. Like, who is but going you, but to decide that? you misinformation can be dangerous, that it can cause yes. real-world harms, that it can potentially cause... Um, yes, yeah, so the point I'm trying to make is that the BBC itself has, at times, published things that are false. Do you agree that that has occurred? I, 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 I'm quite sure the BBC have uh, said things before that turn out to not be true. Right. In, in its, whatever it is, 100-year history, I'm quite sure. Yes. Even if you aspire to be accurate, there are times when it will, you, you will not be. We've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation, and they just say they just, there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around, um, particularly around hate speech um, in the company. Do, is that well, something what hate that you speech want to are you talking about? I mean, you use Twitter. Right. Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, I, just a personal anecdote. Like, what do, do you? I don't. P- personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content. Yeah, personally, but I, I'm not going to talk to talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter. So you see more hate speech personally. I would say I would see more hateful content in that in that content you don't like or or hateful. What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit. A reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist. Those kinds of those kinds of things. So you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is I'm that not, what you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm saying. Well, I'm just curious. What you, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con- content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and if and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more, it, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's why I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't use, I, I, honestly, you I don't. You can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore, because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you said actually, a lot of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, 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 only, well, I only look well, at my, on a my second. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example, not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks. And I, well, I, then I how did you see the hateful content? content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you for you hateful content. And I'm asking for one example. Right, and and I, you can't I, give a single I, one. And, and, and I'm saying I've, I, I, then I, I say so that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con- content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed, you just lied. What no no what I claim was 
there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on Give my feed or not. Give me one example. I mean, I, right, and Literally if you, you look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, U in the UK, they will say that. So they, Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Let, that I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I, That's haven't, absurd. I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. Then how would you know there's hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We, have, we only have a certain amount of time. Um, wow. COVID misinformation. You Amazing. You changed the COVID misinformation. Has rules. BBC changed its COVID misinformation? The BBC does not set the rules on Twitter, so I'm asking you. No, I'm talking about the BBC's misinformation about COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm literally Has asking you about, you change the labels, the COVID misinformation labels. There used to be a policy, and then it then disappeared. Why, why do that? Well, COVID is no longer an issue. Does the BBC uh, hold itself at all responsible for misinformation re regarding ma masking and, and side effects of vaccinations and not reporting on that at all? And what about the fact that the BBC was put under pressure by the British government to change its editorial policy? Are you aware of that? This is, a, this is not an interview about the BBC. Oh, so. you thought it wasn't? <laughs> and this, I see now why you've done Twitter Spaces. I am not a representative of the BBC's editorial policy. I want to make that clear. Let's talk about something else. You want I'm to talk about the BBC. All right, let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about something else. You weren't expecting that. The guy couldn't respond. He couldn't answer the questions. He was stupefied. Do you know why? representative of the media and most of the people in big mainstream media, BBC, by the way, it's the biggest network in the UK. They feel that way. They have the unfettered right to say anything, report on anything, any perspective. And if they're wrong in saying it, they had the right to report on it. If you took it and you made decisions based upon what they told us, after all, they're the BBC, they're bulletproof. You can't do anything about it. Now, all of a sudden, one of the guys that is the owner of the biggest or one of the biggest information social websites out there, Elon Musk and Twitter, these guys come to him and they're trying to catch him and get him for doing something that he doesn't do. He bought Twitter to stop it from happening. Yes, Twitter and many of the social media sites, almost all of them, they took control of the narrative and they reported things based upon what they felt, what their thoughts were. They exercised their First Amendment rights by taking away your First Amendment rights. I have a lot of respect, way more respect for Elon Musk now than I did a year ago. But he's not even a native-born American. And he's hammering the facts home that many in our own country don't even think about. That should scare us. 
kind of acting out what Elon was talking to that BBC reporter. Last night at the University of Buffalo, there was protest outside a conservative speaker event featuring Riley Gaines, former University of Kentucky swimmer. Gaines competed against transgender swimmer Leah Thomas during the 2022 NCAA championships. She was invited to the University of Buffalo. They asked her to come to speak about efforts to save women's sports by the Turning Point USA chapter. That's according to the school newspaper, The Spectrum. This protester, who was unaffiliated with the university, we're told, was arrested for disorderly conduct and harassment after hitting a photographer. The protester was dressed in black, wearing a face mask. He followed a reporter while holding a poster up to the lens of the photographer. He then swatted at the camera after which he was confronted by the cops. Nearly 50 protesters rallied outside the venue and they condemned the speech. And they did it. Listen to this. This goes right along with what we're talking about, what Elon Musk was talking to the BBC reporter about. Hey, they feel like they have an arbitrary right to determine what's true, what's fake, what's misinformation and disinformation. And when Elon confronted that reporter or anybody confronted any of these 50 protesters, they're calling what Riley Gaines was there to speak about hate speech. Who has the right to determine what is hate speech and what is not? And by the way, I've heard my entire life, the First Amendment, freedom of speech, it gives everybody the right to say something that someone else will disagree with. Every person has the right to say it regardless. Raina Cook, Young Democratic Socialist of America chapter co-chair at the University of Buffalo, said that the protesters understood that they could not prevent Gaines from speaking, but the protest could show trans students on campus that there are people that love them, support them, care about them, and will fight for them. I get that. I understand that. Probably would have been more prudent to leave off that last phrase, fight for them. Protesters held signs with various slogans that read, testosterone has no gender, protect trans kids, Jesus was trans too, and it's giving 1936 Germany. Now, these are slogans and signs that were actually documented by photojournalist Rebecca Brannon. One side read, Cis women beat you too. A nod towards Gaines' fifth place tie with Thomas in the 200-yard freestyle championship race. Silence equals death, protesters chanted to attendees who were leaving the speech. Students posted flyers on campus criticizing Gaines's speech, according to photos posted on Twitter, one flyer showed Gaines as Pennywise, the character in the horror novel It, while a second accused her of trying to become a political pundit because she wasn't able to beat a trans woman one time. 
I'll never understand people putting this much effort into something or someone they don't like, Riley Gaines tweeted. All for saying men and women are physiologically different. Gaines, University of Buffalo, the University of Buffalo Police Department, the YDSA chapter and the uh, Turning Point USA chapter didn't want to talk about any of this after the fact. And I think probably they just wanted the facts and what people saw and heard for themselves to be sufficient. I remember this, this reminds me of a long, long time ago. And when I say a long time ago, I'm talking about, oh man, let me think, back in the 70s, the early 70s, when homosexuality, it, it had been around forever, I understand that. But all of a sudden, it became kind of the cool thing to go public with and brag about and all that kind of stuff. And don't you dare say anything negative about homosexuality. Don't even mention anything about it biblically because somebody was going to get in your face. I was asked several times to take a position on that. And my position has never changed. I don't believe homosexuality is right. I believe biblically it's very clear what God thought about homosexuality and those who get involved in it. That's my opinion. Okay, you may not like my opinion. I may not like yours. But the fact that you don't like my opinion or I don't like yours doesn't give me a right to get in your face about it and to try to demean and diminish you and in some cases physically assault me, nor do I have the right to do the same thing to you if we disagree. And here's what I said. Do what you want to do. Live however you want to live. That's your choice. My choice is my choice. It's okay for me to live in my life just like it's okay for you to live in yours. Don't rub yours in my face I will not rub mine in your face, but if I want to speak my opinion, my doing so is a constitutionally protected right that I have. And guess what? You have the same right to say the same things you want to say as I have. But don't think because you're of one political ilk, one sexual ilk, that because of your choices, That gives you a more powerful right than I have to express my thoughts. The First Amendment is absolute. You have the right to say what you will. Now, no doubt about it, that comes with some responsibility and it also can come with somebody holding you accountable for what you say. There are laws out there that prevent certain things from happening in the way of speech and expression. And those laws, if they are right in line with the First Amendment, they're legal. People that exercise those have the right to do it. If anybody steps over that line, including me, there's accountability there. There used to be accountability there. Now... As you heard that BBC reporter talking with Elon Musk, people in the media and a lot of other people, kind of like some of these people that were at the University of Buffalo last night, they feel like their voice should trump anybody's voice who dissents with them. 
That, my friends, is a violation of the First Amendment. Not so much at the University of Buffalo. These were private individuals that were confronting Riley Gaines. But the scenario I painted for you about what's happening in Washington, D.C., with people being thrown in prison because they were just in the zip code, Washington, D.C., that day, and were out walking around, a bunch of these people didn't go into the Capitol. They didn't storm the Capitol. But they put themselves on the bullseye of the FBI. The FBI, under the watchful glare of the Attorney General, the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, feckless as he is, my opinion, they decided to weaponize unconstitutionally a power that they had to go after these people for exercising the First Amendment and being there. Yeah, there were lawbreakers that went in. Many of those were arrested. Many of them have been adjudicated. They're paying for their crime. But 100 people left in jail, some for more than a year and a half. No trial. Where's the speedy trial guarantee for Americans guaranteed in the Constitution? Where's that? Well, it doesn't matter. Government, they can do what they want to do, say what they want to say with impunity, and there's nobody there to hold them accountable until election time. Now, we didn't elect Merrick Garland Attorney General. There was no election for that. But the person who was elected president, Joe Biden, appointed Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland's doing what he wants to do. You've heard him many times on this show. We play sound bites from him and testimony, conversations, things that he said publicly, confronting him with his ostensibly leading the Department of Justice for the American people. And many times it's anything but that. Let me give you an exact example of what I'm talking about. You listen to him for yourself. Mr. Chairman, uh, you are talking a lot about the need for more resources to combat increases in uh, illegal gun crimes, correct? Um, among, among many other things, yes. And let's go down the list. Uh, drug trafficking, you talked about that yes, one. Yes. Um, human trafficking, sex trafficking yes. crimes are on the rise. Um, um, would you say that uh, the those who are prosecuted for those crimes are 100% uh, legal residents of this country? Uh, you know, I'm not in a position to answer that. I'd be surprised if all of them are legal residents, but I, I don't have statistics on how many are not. But. Would you say that the volume of uh, crossings at our southern border contributes to that rise in crime? just from a sheer numbers perspective? Uh, I, I don't have the statistics. Obviously, some people who cross the border commit crimes, and some people who, and, and the vast majority do not. Right. Many people in this country commit crimes, and the vast majority do not. I don't have the statistics you're asking for. But you also uh, would agree that in addition to the uh, migrants who are detained and then released into the country and then commit crimes, increase those numbers of crimes in this country. 
their number of gotaways who evade uh, apprehension and then uh, commit crimes uh, also increases the number of crimes committed in this country, correct? I'm stuck in the syllogism here. I think the answer is uh, the more people who commit crimes, the more crimes we have in the country. Right. So uh, would you agree then that uh, and support uh, efforts to uh, try and contain that crossing uh, at our southern border to essentially uh, secure our southern border so that fewer are crossing who are either gotaways or um, not in this country legally uh, would help contribute to a decrease in the number of crimes committed. Yeah, as I was explaining, I think the Department of Homeland Security, which has the responsibility for the for the border, obviously, um, has a, a notice of proposed rulemaking with respect to uh, funneling all, uh, the people to the uh, ports of entry uh, and uh, making the vetting required at, at those locations or uh, back at an embassy or uh, otherwise, or seeking, uh, having to seek uh, asylum first in a country through which they travel, uh, all of which are aimed at, at the purpose that, that you're talking about. Have you taken positions on those proposals with, uh, to, say, require that you request asylum from the country from which you're coming uh, in Mexico if you're coming from a Central American country? Yeah, so um, our job, of course, is to look at the legality of the, of the pr program. The policy is determined by DHS, um, and, and, and uh, we have um, uh, approved these programs as being legal. Okay. Um, but you haven't taken any position on efforts to secure the border, which would actually help your department. We're obviously, let me put it this way, eager to, to do everything possible to secure the border. I don't think anybody would not feel that way. All right, I want to go briefly to a conversation we had with uh, I.G. Horowitz um, at the most recent open annual worldwide threats hearing in the Senate. FD FBI Director Ray admitted that the FBI has in the past, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, bought precise geolocation data before backing away from the practice in the face of thorny legal issues. Um, I.G. Horowitz last week agreed with my concerns about this disturbing practice. In fact, he said the DOJ, quote, took advantage of legal ambiguities before the Supreme Court's decision in Carpenter v. U.S. Uh, and he went on to say that post-Carpenter, of course, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, do you agree with what DOJ Inspector General told, his sub told the subcommittee last week that government's agencies' purchases of information about Americans' location should not have happened after Carpenter? Yep. Um so Carpenter occurred during the last administration. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding from reading um, um, Director Ray's testimony is that, I don't remember what year this occurred in, but that they no, they did uh, uh, take some geolocation data, for, uh, um, but no longer do so and haven't done so for a couple of years. Okay, so... I don't know any more than what he testified to. Uh, no parts of DOJ or other agencies are buying similarly sensitive information like about Americans' communications or activity, financial or otherwise? Well, uh, we've jumped from, from uh, purchases of aggregate uh, uh, of, uh, of commercial information. Well, let's stay there. Are any Those parts are of DOJ still purchasing location yeah, So that question, the department is, uh, has an investigation going on internally to find out uh, which parts. Which you don't uh, know? No, because it's ongoing. I don't mean investigation in a pejorative sense, but we're looking into that question. My understanding on geolocation is that uh, we don't purchase.
Can you believe what you just heard? Let me just explain something to you. This is the conundrum that the majority in the House have. The House of Representatives is the chief oversight compliance department of our government. And this particular committee hearing was about the Department of Justice budget going forward. Using the power of the purse is the only way the Republican majority in the House of Representatives can exercise oversight over anybody or anything in the government. The power of the purse. You just heard the number one law enforcement agent in America, the guy who's over everything regarding federal law enforcement, including the FBI, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Talking about what we talked about before you heard that particular conversation in a House hearing, I used the term feckless in describing our Attorney General. I was being kind. He refuses to answer any questions substantively. How can the American people expect anything to be done, anything to be discovered, and for anyone who does wrongdoing in that department, the entire Department of Justice, to be held accountable when the number one guy either can't or won't have a meaningful conversation with a member of the House Oversight Committee discussing the money, the dollars and cents that the Department of Justice, uh, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, gave to the committee for approval for what they needed to do what they're supposed to do according to the Constitution for the next year. I'm not even sure who that was that was talking to the Attorney General, which member of Congress. It was a Republican, obviously. And he did everything he could. He tiptoed around it, but basically he did not confront the Attorney General in a very aggressive manner because obviously he wanted to see if he could get some information and lead the AG down the path of, without saying it, Mr. Attorney General... Isn't it a felony when any of the two million people that we know of that came across the southern border illegally, in other words, didn't go to a port of entry, didn't file for asylum, they just came over. Isn't that what you are supposed to be doing holding anybody and everybody accountable that breaks federal law? Mr. Attorney General, why haven't you done your job? How can you in good conscience sit before this committee and give us a multi-billion dollar budget for next year that you want us to approve for you when you won't even use last year's billions of dollar budget to do what you swore an oath to do, you are hired to do, and you're not doing, enforcing the rule of law. Listen, we're the bosses, right? You know that. I know that. We the people, 
Government is of the people, by the people, and for the people, of the people. That means we make the choices. We do it through a representative republic. We elect people to go to Washington, represent us, and then we have elections every four years to pick a president. Every president picks who's going to serve in his administration at the head of those organizations, the attorney general. He's over the Department of Justice, period. This guy's supposed to have all the answers, be totally eminently responsible for the Department of Justice, Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, appointed general, head of the military, feckless himself. He has proven through his career, not just since he's been the Secretary of Defense, but he does not honor his oath of office to do what he's supposed to do according to the law. Merrick Garland, Attorney General, is doing the same thing. If we the people don't hold those in those positions, if we don't hold them accountable, if we don't demand their heads on a plate, if we don't demand their impeachment or for the president to fire them and replace them, whatever they do or don't do and the results of it, whatever that works out to be, it falls on us, the people. I'm no longer comfortable with accepting that as being okay. Are you? Do you want to live in a world where whoever decides what laws to enforce and which ones to not enforce, do you want them ruling over your life and determining arbitrarily if they get a burr up their saddle, under their saddle for you or something you do or don't do or say? For them to be able to just decide whatever they want to decide about you, throw you in jail? Do you want them to continue to allow millions of illegals to storm in our country? Just come across no accountability. We don't know what they come in with. We don't know what diseases they have. There are no physicals given to these people. We can't check background investigation on any of these from their countries of origin. We don't know who they are, but not only are we waving them in, Joe Biden, you're going to hear about it later, but he is about to declare every illegal has the right to federal paid health care. Every one of them that are here illegally. And we're not holding anybody accountable. What can we expect? Do you know that in just two years, the most recent stats from the Texas Department of Safety are not out yet, but in two years, just two years alone, 600,000 felony acts were perpetrated on Texans. I'm talking about one of the 50 states in two years. 600,000 federal criminal acts against Texans. Everything from first-degree murder to breaking and entering. 600,000. Merrick Garland? He's supposed to handle that. Now, wait a minute. Texas, they have a military. They have a, 
uh, a police force, state police force, state troopers, they could do it themselves. Do you know that the state of Texas tried to do it themselves? And guess what this White House informed them? The federal government has the unilateral right to control the enforcement of our southern border. You don't do that, Mr. Governor. If you do, we'll see you in court. Talk about an oxymoron. I don't know about oxy part, but we have a moron somewhere in our government that has just decided whoever wants to break the law, just go ahead. Just go ahead. I'm going to go have a good lunch. New home ownership can be a real eye opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from the Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks excludes freezes. As the sum of each generation before it, the next generation Corvette stands alone. As the new standard of precision and performance, of engineering and technology, of everything that makes an icon an icon, and a Corvette a Corvette. As much a part of your day as pants. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. I don't know where that pants thing came from. As much a part of your day as our pants. I, I guess so. At least a weekday. Hey, listen. Hadn't said it yet today, but I want to thank you each and every one of you for making TNN Live a part of your day. I know it's it's a, it's an exercise, but it's a choice you make, and I appreciate you making that choice. Once again, we'll be on the road. We'll be in sunny South Florida, Miami, for the first three days of next week, and we'll be broadcasting live, moving our studios down there for a few days, and uh, we're going to do our darndest to get some special guests on the air live with us from down there. But you'll want to tune in. Don't miss a thing. Speaking of our president, you know, we've talked about it previously on the show over and over and over again. It's like 
the Biden administration, they understand how deep and wide and sophisticated and slow is our Department of Justice on taking care of business. You know what I'm saying? And so their whole operating philosophy is, hey, even if there's something we want to do and it probably isn't legal, we're going to go ahead and do it and implement it and make it happen just as long as we can make it happen unless and until the courts come out and say we can't do it anymore. That is a definition of the Biden administration operating procedures. A federal court yesterday granted an injunction against the Biden administration's Waters of the United States rule. Now, what the heck is that? W-O-T-U-S. WOTUS is what it's called. Waters of the United States. It's a rule. It's not a law. It's a Joe Biden executive order thing. And it extends the EPA's regulatory authority. In other words, whatever we want the EPA to do, they can do it. The new rule which defines what navigable waters are subject to government regulation under the Clean Water Act allowed the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, to claim regulatory authority over lands containing small streams and wetlands. District of North Dakota Judge Daniel Hovland granted 24 states who sued the government over the rule in February gave them an injunction yesterday finding they have persuasively shown that the new 2023 rule poses a threat to their sovereign rights and amounts to irreparable harm. The states involved in this litigation will expend unrecoverable resources complying with the rule unlikely to withstand judicial scrutiny. In other words, it ain't legal. The judge also stated the rule appears to directly affect landowners who are now potentially subject to federal jurisdiction and permitting requirements, forcing them to undertake expensive assessments or forego their activities. The judge noted the dire need for clarification on what constitutes a navigable water holding out hope that the Supreme Court's pending decision in a case Sackett versus EPA is going to settle the issue. This is another one of those cases. Hey, we climate change activists, we environmentalists, we have the unilateral light to do anything and call anything whatever we want to call it. Now just think about this. Let me give you an example. You work your butt off all your young adult life and you put money back and you say, look, we want to buy a place on a lake or a pond somewhere out in the country and build a house. We want to raise a few cows. We want to do this. Or maybe we want to give, go up somewhere in Colorado and have a house on a stream, one of those really pretty clear water rushing streams up in the mountains in Colorado. And you do that. That's part of the American dream, isn't it? What the Biden administration did was they wanted to have the unfettered right to legally come to you and say, you can't be on that lake or that pond. You can't put a boat dock out there. If you want to do it, you have to come ask us if it's okay. And we're probably going to default to the position that, nope, 
It's our waterway. belongs to the American people. You can't do anything. And so what about all of your investment? What about that dream that you had to do that? Well, too bad. Nothing you can do about it after all. We're the government. I'm Joe Biden. We're the government. We control all of America. That may sound a little bit extreme, but the big thing is they know they have a bigger checkbook balance than do you. In fact, they can sign a blank check, and it doesn't matter what the costs are to defend against it. They're going to do it if they want to, and that means you're going to, in many cases, lose everything you have just doing what you've always had the right to do. Do you know the name Karen Bash? Remember her? She was a member of the House of Representatives from California. She decided not to run again for the House, but she ran for the mayor. She's now the mayor of Los Angeles. And so the other day I just heard this happen, and I went and grabbed it. I wanted you to hear her explanation She says she's got the problem of homelessness fixed. And that's a big deal in Los Angeles. If you hadn't been there lately, the last time I was out there, when I flew into town and flew in for business, and I stayed downtown. And I stayed downtown for about four days, and then it was so bad, the home, and this was several years ago, the homelessness, and it was like a tent city, but it wasn't even tents. It was just row after row person, clutter pile after clutter pile, and not for, you know, a few hundred yards along some streets. It was block after block after block. It was so scary. I left downtown and moved out to the suburbs of Los Angeles and did my business from there. In that setting, Mayor Karen Bass, she's got all the answers. What's going on in L.A. now? As you know, L.A. has a new mayor. Her name is Mayor Karen Bass. She replaced Eric Garcetti, who was a far-left progressive who was bowing in front of BLM activists at the height of COVID. You could go out and protest, but you couldn't go to work, literally on his knees in front of these people. Anyway, they brought in another far-left whack job, Mayor Karen Bass, and listen to how she's going to be dealing with homelessness. This is from about three months ago. Are you still going to allow LAPD and sanitation officers to do these sweeps of encampments? No, we, these are not sweeps at all. This is getting people to move on their own. But then after the person leaves, sanitation is absolutely going to have to be there. No question about it. But this is not coercing people. This is not ticketing people or incarcerating people. This is moving people from tents to hotels or motels. You know, it's funny, guys. When I've been to hotels, and I've been to a couple in my life, motels, Motel 6, I've been to Best Westerns, I've stayed at some nicer places every now and again. I generally have to pay to be uh, to go to a hotel. Is that, is that how you, yeah, for everybody? Yeah, that, uh, you see what they're doing. First off, she's saying, no, we're not going to move these people. Of course they're moving these people. These 10 cities come up all over LA. In many cases, they don't move them, and then it, and then it becomes drug-infested, and, and it's medically not safe and infectious and all that stuff, right? And it's a blight on the neighborhood, and then houses pri- house prices go down, all of that stuff, obviously. Uh, but they will obviously move these people. But then what do they do? This is the same exact thing that Gavin Newsom, lizard person Gavin Newsom, was saying he was going to do in San Francisco about 
about 15 years ago when he was the mayor. We will take these people because it's a housing problem. It's not a uh, mental health problem or a drug problem or anything else. It's just a housing problem. So we will take these people and we will put them in hotels and motels. I really just want you to think, like joking aside for just a second, like if you were to picture just like the average homeless person of San Francisco and L.A., Right. So you have to picture someone who is on drugs, who is mentally not well, who's probably screaming and fighting with people and all. We're going to put them in the Ritz Carlton, put them on the uh, penthouse floor next to Richard Gere and that chick. Like it's so that was a Beverly Wilshire for those of you paying attention. Pretty woman. Um, It's so nuts. It's so completely ridiculous, but it seems right. This is what progressives are really good at. Oh, we will put, we care about homeless people, so we will put them in hotels and motels, and then we'll give them a little card, and they can get room service, and blah, blah, blah. Does that help anyone get off the drugs? Does it help anyone with their mental health? Does it actually create a situation where these people will not live in those hotels or motels forever? Does it get anyone off the city door, or does it just kick the can down the road? So that is the model that California has chosen. You, I mean, you can make that determination for yourself. What good does it do? All it does is cost taxpayers in L.A. a whole bunch of money. And I don't, I don't think you will disbelieve what I'm about to say, but L.A. is not in a really good place financially, as California is not. Now, Gavin Newsom is out on the campaign trail. He is, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, He's going around the country telling everybody who's conservative that you're evil. What's going on in those red states, he said. You heard it right here on TNN Live yesterday. You heard the governor of California in Florida running ads demeaning what Ron DeSantis, the governor there, has done in the state of Florida regarding regulation, doing away with a lot of regulations, getting the government off of the backs of the people of Florida. And guess what's happening? Thousands of Californians are moving to Florida for a lot of reasons, one of them being it's way less costly to go there because you don't get taxed out the wazoo like you do in California. It blows my mind to hear these far leftists try to convince people that it's a good thing for people to give up individual rights to people in government, thinking people in government, they know better what you need and what's best for you than you could ever know. And so just give us the authority to rule every area of your life. And oh, by the way, we're going to charge you out the wazoo. You bring us in and let us do what we want to do. But you got to pay us. You got to give us the money to do what we want to do. And we know what's better for you than you do. That may trivialize the whole process to you, but that's actually what they're doing. What's going on? Did you hear about what's going on in Biden's Department of Justice regarding Catholic churches? The DOJ outrageously cut a plea deal with one transgender activist who willingly admitted vandalizing a Catholic church with vulgarities, destroying a statue of the Virgin Mary, assaulting a church worker, and resisting arrest after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Maeve Nota, a 31-year-old transgender, 
Maeve was seen by many in what Maeve did as a hate crime. This was from a plea agreement, and you can go look it up for yourself. I'll spell the name, M-A-E-V-E, NOTA, N-O-T-A. The plea agreement terms appear brazenly biased. The DOJ is recommending that NOTA serve no jail time at all for defacing the church. The deal is in stark contrast to how the Biden administration is treating pro-life protesters who don't go into these abortion clinics. They protest outside. It's very clear that the Biden DOJ has politicized and weaponized the FACE Act, F-A-C-E, to go after pro-life Christians praying outside of abortion clinics like Mark Houck while turning a blind eye to violent felons terrorizing and badly damaging Catholic churches like Maeve Nota. That's from Mike Davis, who is the founder of Article 3 Project. The Biden Justice Department tried to put Houck in prison. You heard the story. We reported it here. Put him in jail for 11 years for simply defending his young son, on the street out in front of an abortion clinic with one of the abortion protesters who came up and shoved his son and he simply stepped in between the guy and his son and they arrested Hauk, tried to put him in jail for 11 years. But they recommended no jail time for Noda after this deranged trans terrorist badly damaged a Catholic church, fought with the cops, assaulted a church employee, scared the hell out of a little old lady who was in the church praying. So during his attack on the church, Noda smashed two glass doors with rocks, spray-painted the church's outside walls with highbrow messages such as rot in your fake hell, kid groomers, and woman haters, among several other notably vile sentiments. The transgender also spray-painted an employee of the church across their face, who was attempting to force Noda to leave. When confronted by the cops, Noda took a backpack which was full of spray paint cans and used it to smash a police vehicle before he turned himself in. It appeared to everybody that he was intoxicated when he was arrested. He claimed to be angered over the U.S. Supreme Court overturning the landmark abortion case Roe v. Wade. Police Captain Daryl McKinney told a Seattle television station shortly after the incident that the $10,000 in damages fall under a hate crime statute, something that Biden's DOJ, they just very conveniently ignored. The DOJ charged Noda with the destruction of religious property, a misdemeanor, by the way, that can carry up to a year in prison, $100,000 in fines. A week after that, unreported plea agreement between the DOJ and NOTA and his attorney shows the DOJ recommended no jail time, three years of probation, nothing about fixing the bad crimes that were perpetrated in the church facility. And by the way, on the shadows of that little story, let me tell you what it has been revealed is going on. FBI agents have been instructed 
by the Department of Justice to surreptitiously insert themselves in Catholic churches around the nation and to report back to Washington if they find anybody who seems to be an overzealous Catholic person who has ill feelings about what's going on in our Department of Justice. That's actually happening. George Orwell, 1948, wrote a book, 1984, and he predicted these same things would happen as Big Brother, in this case, in this story, the DOJ, starts flexing its muscles against the American people. Well, we hadn't talked about the southern border. You want to talk about the southern border? No, let's just do this. Let's talk about the border. Let's talk about what's happening at the border. Border Patrol agents have already seized 1,500 pounds of drugs between October 2022 and February 2023 at our northern border. Wait a minute. Canadians are wanting to come across our northern border illegally and come into the nation? No, guess what? Illegals from other countries are being told, hey, you might want to try the Canadian border because they're really not watching it up there. It's going to be a lot easier to get in. Agents there are not only dealing with a surge in drugs, but also a huge influx of illegal migrants. Border Patrol agents, they saw an 846% surge of migrants in the nation in just the Swanton sector that covers parts of New York, Vermont, and New Hampshire. In January alone, residents in the area, they feared for their safety as groups of illegals traversed their property, broke into their vehicles, knocked on their doors. The influx of illegals from the southern border along the lack of border enforcement has created a wave of fentanyl in an area that never had much of either. Overdoses are more and more common, and it's only picking up. That's according to what one northern border patrol agent had to say. Wanted to remain anonymous because they're not authorized to speak publicly. Guess what? Nobody in the DOJ, Homeland Security, wants to talk to anybody about southern border issues being wide open and now northern border issues as well. Border patrol seizures take place between ports of entry where it's most challenging to detect, whereas Office of Field Operations seizures take place at ports of entry, mainly through vehicle inspections. We have less agents in the field today than we did a few years ago. We're catching more than can be attributed straight to the administration's lack of border security. That's according to National Border Patrol Council President Sean Walsh. Roughly 2,000 agents, 2,000 agents patrol the entire stretch of 5,525 miles of our northern border. 5,525 miles. These surges in border encounters and drug smuggling coupled with a shortage of Border Patrol agents and lack of security measures place America's northern border at serious risk. 
As winter turns to spring, we're deeply concerned the northern Border Patrol agents will be even more overwhelmed, under-resourced, and undermanned. That's New York Representative Elise Stefanik. She wrote DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas that last month. Agents in Algonac, Michigan, recently seized 38 pounds of ecstasy pills. Authorities made the seizure after chasing two suspects, one U.S. citizen and one Canadian citizen that was previously removed from the U.S. by foot. The uptick is most likely because smugglers believe we're too occupied, stuck in processing centers, to actually stop their attempts. But we've increased our Border Patrol processing coordinator numbers, which has allowed more of our agents to return to the field and actually catch stuff. Who would have thought? Problems, immigration problems, illegal migration at our southern border now. Now, regarding those who get into our nation illegally, nothing in many cases is being done to those people after the fact. But guess what happened? The Arkansas governor, Sarah Sanders, she signed a bill on Tuesday that stopped criminals in prison for rape, first-degree murder, human trafficking, and some other felony offenses committed after 2020 poor from being released early. In other words, you do the crime, you're going to serve the time. The bill she signed into law is called the Protect Arkansas Act. It's going to make those who commit any of 24 felonies that include rape, aggravated robbery, child pornography, possession, makes them all ineligible for parole, requires people incarcerated for a variety of other felonies like manslaughter and fentanyl delivery committed in 2025 or later to serve at least 85% of their court-assigned sentences. Sanders signed the act surrounded by law enforcement personnel and tweeted this, quote, the failed public safety status quo ends today in Arkansas. Oh, by the way, she also signed the governor signed the Fentanyl Enforcement and Accountability Act on Tuesday. Arkansas is now going to charge drug dealers with murder if they deliver certain drugs that cause an overdose, she said. For the most heinous drug dealers, those who traffic fentanyl to children, we will charge them with life in prison. Arkansas's capital of Little Rock saw homicide offenses go up by more than 24% last year compared to the previous year, while forcible rapes and robberies increased by 10% and 5% respectively. Sanders pledged during the 2022 campaign for governor to close parole system loopholes, never defund the police, saying criminals in Arkansas don't fear the state's criminal justice system. I think now they may not fear it, but I do think they'll respect it. Man, we have got so many things left over. We've only got 22 minutes left in the show. We're going to take this break. When we come back, I want you to hear from a man, a stenographer, who wants to testify about firsthand knowledge. I mean, being actually 
with the President of the United States when he was Vice President on Air Force Two, a stenographer, was writing notes, taking notes. And it has to do with the current President's lawlessness having to do with his son, Hunter, and Burisma. Wow, don't go away. With Ford Pass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complimentary maintenance or for vehicle accessories. And with Ford Pass, a tap can also get you 24-7 roadside assistance and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes! M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. What? Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa. A venti, iced white mocha, triple shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks uh, Philippines uh, planner. Grande toffee nut latte. It's made by Moleskine? Wow, right? Venti, green tea, cream, frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, no, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines Planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. Guardian of the Truth. Knight of the Republic. Speaker of the Facts. Dan Newman on TNN. One other little bitty thing I need to tell you about before we get to the stenographer that wants to go public and testify in court about Biden corruption. On Tuesday this week, the Biden administration laid out some plans. Now listen to this. If they get their way, they're going to cut water supplies to seven states seven states and their justification for doing it is a drought that stretches back decades. Here's what they said. The Department of the Interior released a draft proposal that highlighted two potential actions it's going to take or it wants to take to combat the Colorado River Basin's deteriorating water levels. Colorado River. If you know anything about the Southwest, It's probably the most important bit of waterway that impacts seven different states in the Southwest. Now, why would they do it? Two proposals each consist of federally mandated supply reductions 
for states that today are dependent on the Colorado River system, which provides water for more than 40 million Americans and is vital for Western states' economies. That's your government. That's Joe Biden's administration. And their justification for doing it all? Climate change. And oh, by the way, there is, there is no shortage of water anymore. Newsweek said that the Southern Sierra snowpack is 257% greater than the average time for this time of year. 240% larger than is average for the usual snowpack piece on April the 1st. What does that interpret into Colorado River roaring? But the Biden Interior Department wants to cut water supplies to 40 million Americans. Just another Joe Biden deal that we have to deal with. And speaking of Biden deals, a guy named Mike McCormick. Mike McCormick, you're going to hear from him in just a second. Mike McCormick wants to testify that Joe Biden orchestrated Burisma holding corruption. In in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, they've been seated for three years with a special prosecutor named David Weiss. If David- Meantime, a former Obama White House official says he wants to testify to a federal grand jury because he says he has information about then-Vice President Joe Biden's role in his son Hunter's business. But he says the FBI has been ignoring him. Former Obama stenographer Mike McCormick joins us now. Mike, thanks for being here. You say you are a witness to a crime. Walk us through why you say that. Yes. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Todd. Thanks for having me. Sure. So in in April 2014, I was an Air Force Two with Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan. At the time, no one knew that Hunter Biden was already on the board of Burisma Holdings, the natural gas conglomerate from Ukraine. Joe Biden is directing Jake Sullivan in the front of the plane what to say to the press. My job as a stenographer on the plane is to record what the vice president or a senior administration official says to the press. So I'm sitting back there with a tape recorder. Jake Sullivan comes back and somebody asks him about fracking. His answer is, well, we're bringing a lot of American assistance over for fracking. Burisma was the direct beneficiary of that fracking. And that's what I recorded. And that's in a White House transcript. In the, in the transcript, you don't know who Jake Sullivan is. It's a senior administration official. I'm the witness that says Jake Sullivan is the guy who said it. And he should be investigated because at the time, Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma. And Joe Biden is bringing American taxpayer money to enrich that company and himself and his family. Yeah, Mike, let me throw in a few dates here. Hunter joins the Burisma board April 18th, 2014. You have that conversation with Jake Sullivan April 21st, 2014, uh, outlining how the U.S. would help Ukraine's gas industry with Joe Biden's help. Hunter's role not made public till May 12th, 2014. And then in December of that year, Congress approves $50 million to support Ukraine's energy sector. Ashley. 
You know, Mike, my biggest question is, you said the FBI has been ignoring you. It's, it's no secret right now that people don't have a lot of faith in the FBI. Would you tell them and would they say back to you? Well, that's, that's a great question, Ashley. Um, I came across this story back in October. I published it in my Substack. My Substack is Midnight in the Laptop of Good and Evil. I didn't hear much about it. In February, I went to the FBI and filed one of their tips on their website. If you do that and you're lying to them, you go to jail. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth, and I'm not going to jail. Joe Biden is a criminal. He was conducting malfeasance in office to enrich his family. Jake Sullivan is a conspirator in that. And there's more, uh, there's more Obama officials involved in it, I believe. So you are willing to go under oath to state that you are certain that this was a kickback scheme that Joe Biden was orchestrating, correct? Correct. There's a grand jury right now in, in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. They've been seated for three years with a special prosecutor named David Weiss. If David Weiss can't have me in front of his grand jury explaining what I know as a witness— that's a fraudulent grand jury. It's a fraudulent use of the American judicial system to cover for Barack Obama and Joe Biden's crimes in office. You know, with everything you've said, do you think by you testifying, this would change this narrative? Um, and, and I mean, frankly, a lot of us have already, we've, we have thought this for a long time. We, we've always said it's not necessarily Hunter Biden, it's Joe Biden's ties to his business dealings. So do you think by you testifying that it would change the story? So if I testify in front of a grand jury, the two things can happen. Because I have a little bit of experience with grand juries. I used to be a stenographer listening to grand juries. I used to do transcription for the Lewinsky grand juries. I go back that far with stenographers. Um, two things can happen. One, what I say is evidence. So my evidence, my testimony would be evidence. But I can also point them to other witnesses they can call into because a grand jury is an investigative tool. And if I went in there, I would tell them to have Barack Obama called in as a witness because he's part of the conspiracy. He's an ex-president. He has to answer who was in charge of this putting Joe Biden into this role. Did Barack Obama know about it? Because there's there's evidence I've seen and put in my Substack on April 16th, so two days before Hunter joins, Joe Biden is with Hunter in the West Wing. They have a meeting. And then later that day, in the evening, Joe Biden spends a day in the limousine, in the back of Barack Obama's limousine in western Pennsylvania. Mm. Mike, we reached out to the White House for a statement but did not hear back. Something tells me we have not heard the end of your story. Keep us posted. Mike McCormick, thank you, sir. Thanks, Mike. Just remember that name and remember what you heard here from Mike McCormick. And the fact that uh, this was on a Fox News show, you just heard it, early morning show, but nevertheless it was there, I guarantee a lot of people's ears perked up. It, will it be the right people? I have no idea. But obviously there's some wrongdoing there. And think about how the wheels of justice just turn slower and slower and slower. We're talking about something that happened when Joe Biden was vice president. We're talking about 2014, nine years ago. And it's just now coming to light. 
we've got some good news. <laughs> I know it's unusual, and it may be a, a bit strange, but a brand new report shows there have been 5,377 fewer abortions on average each month in the first six months after the Supreme Court decision on abortion in the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case. The Society of Family Planning, a nonprofit organization that studies abortion and contraception science and has argued for increased access to abortion medications, published a report on Tuesday of this week detailing the impact that the Dobbs decision has had on abortion throughout the U.S., they determined there were 32,260 cumulative fewer abortions between July to December of last year. That's based on a comparison of abortion trends before and after the Dobbs decision. That estimated reduction in abortion comes out to about 5,377 fewer abortions on average each and every month. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means there probably are some babies that are babies. They're alive today, a bunch of them, because of the Supreme Court decision. The case overturned precedent set in the 73 Roe v. Wade case and the 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey case. The ruling meant that individual states could set their own policies on aspects of abortion that are not already specifically covered under U.S. federal law. This study placed 13 states in a category of those that implemented near-total abortion bans with those rules in place for at least four of the six months in the study period. SFP, this organization, determined that those 13 states, that's Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, West Virginia, and Wisconsin, those states, 13 of them, saw 43,410 fewer abortions during that six-month period. Among the 37 other states and the District of Columbia, there were an estimated 11,150 more abortions than before the Dobbs decision, slightly offsetting post-Dobbs abortion reductions in the other 11 states, 13 states. Some of those 37 states have imposed greater abortion restrictions but did not implement near-total bans in the immediate aftermath of the ruling. While some states have tightened restrictions on abortion since the Dobbs decision, other states have reaffirmed and promoted their access to abortion procedures. Colorado has some of the loosest abortion rules in the country, placing no limits on when the procedure can be done and requiring no medical reason for such a procedure. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment recently released some preliminary data showing that 28% of abortions performed in the state last year were with non-resident patients. Colorado was bordered by states with more strict rules on abortion like Utah, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, and Oklahoma. The data also showed an uptick in abortions provided through virtual telehealth clinics last year. There were about 3,610 telehealth-related abortions in the month of April. 
before the Dobbs decision, representing about 4% of all abortions at the time. That number went up to 8,540 in December. That represents an 11% of all U.S. abortions at the time and a 130% increase in the number of telehealth-related abortions compared to April. Abortions could be further limited by federal court cases challenging the legality of abortion drugs, and we've all paid attention to all of that. Well, that's a good story to end the show on today, and it's a great way to end this week. Do not forget, we have our bullet point offering, which you get every Saturday. It'll be there when you wake up tomorrow morning at truthnewsnet.org, and we will meet again Monday morning when I'll be in sunny Miami, Florida, sharing three or four days with you here at TNN Live. You guys have a wonderful weekend, and just know this, the best is yet to come. (laughs) 